today from our news team. Is Disney planning on ruining another classic Disney remake? Nostalgic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans have a treat on the way, and a Nintendo Switch game is making its way to Game Pass. This is the Culture Jack News Desk, your source for stolen information, hot takes, and your weekly news. I'm your host, Archimedes Abigail. Before we get into the news, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is one of five regularly scheduled shows that we host every week. Starting your week off on the right foot, we have Monday Madness with Anthony. On Thursday, we'll meet back here for the news desk. On Friday, Dustin hosts the Friday show. Tune in Saturday then for on today's episode and then round out your weekend with the weekend wire on Sunday. Also this week we hosted a extra special bonus episode for a midweek special two sides a and B on the justice league. Joss Whedon's cut before Zack Snyder's is released with all that being said, let's take a peek at the news. In movie news, Marvel congratulates James Cameron as Avatar reclaims its box office crown from Avengers Endgame. And so uh, there was a tweet sent out by Joe and Anthony Russo congratulating James Cameron on the achievement after the re-release that we talked about last week in China. Avatar did manage to grab once again that top spot for best-selling, highest-grossing movie of all time. Now, is this going to lead to a re-release or a re-re-release of Endgame to try and beat that score, beat that statistic? Maybe when theaters open up would be an excellent time to make for that play. Falcon and Winter Soldier confirmed to set up at least three Marvel projects. Now we saw this news story and we thought maybe it's time we stop theorizing or maybe we just stop theorizing as much. Have we gone too far? Did WandaVision teach us nothing? Are we going to continue thinking about what this could lead to or who this could be setting up or what comic book properties are going to be coming next? Should we instead just try and enjoy the show? Enjoy what they're giving us now before we get too wrapped up in our own heads. Now, like we mentioned at the top of the show uh, about Disney ruining another one of their remakes, Peter Pan and Wendy begin production in Vancouver. The full cast list includes Jude Law and Yara Shahadidi. Uh, A quote from David Lowry, the director of the Peter Pan and Wendy. um, He also directed Pete's Dragon as well. He said, Peter Pan has long been one of my favorite stories, partially because I've always resisted growing up, but also because of the heart, adventure, and imagination that makes J.M. Barry's original tale so evergreen. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to redefine this iconic character for a new generation, and even more excited that I get to do so with such an exceptional cast and crew. That cast that he was talking about includes, like we said, Jude Law as Captain Hook, Yara Shahidi as Tinkerbell, Ever Anderson as Wendy, Alexander Maloney as Peter Pan, Molly Parker as Miss Darling, Alan Tudyk as Mr. Darling, Joshua Pickering as John, 
and Jacoby Jupe as Michael and Alyssa Wapanatak as Tiger Lily. And then finally, Jim Gaffigan as Shmi. And that's the casting that I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, if you remember, there have been some other Peter Pan releases in the past. Uh, in 1991, there was Hook starring Robin Williams, directed, of course, by Steven Spielberg. A classic that every time as a child I watched that scene in Hook where the Lost Boys prepared the imaginary feast that Peter could not yet see with his adult eyes, but later after his imagination and the inner child within him swelled to the surface, that food, those treats, that meal looked like the most delicious thing that I had ever seen. And I think that would be the same for many people my age as well. In 2015, of course, there was Pan, released uh, with Hugh Jackman, directed by Joe Wright as well. Uh, I don't remember that one doing as well, but it was kind of a more modern, tantalizing take on the characters. Then, of course, 1953, Disney released their animated Peter Pan, um, and something new on the Peter Pan, if you have not checked it out in the Disney Plus streaming service yet, it now, along with several other Disney titles, includes a warning talking about the outdated uh, stereotypes that were used for some of the characters found within the movie. Now, I, I find this way much preferable to, rather than removing the movie or removing the television series altogether, maintaining it with saying, hey, look, we made some mistakes in the past. Maybe we were not as progressive or as politically correct as we could have been. So here is the here is the show unaltered for your enjoyment. Uh, the Peter Pan novel, Peter Pan and Wendy, is in the public domain. The play and stage adaptations, though, are still under copyright until 2023. Uh, and this is going to be kind of <laughs> a new part of the show where I tell you how long until popular works of fiction are in the public domain. So you, of course, can use them in your fan fictions, which is what you were all waiting for anyway. In other movie news, Netflix's live action Cowboy Bebop series has completed filming. The series was first announced back in 2017 and started filming in fall of 2019 but was quickly halted after lead actor John Cho severely hurt his knee performing the stunts required. The cameras wouldn't begin again rolling until September of 2020. So it's wrapped, but in addition to Cho as Spike and Pineda as Valentine, and she was the one who confirmed production had wrapped in a tweet, the series also stars Mustafa Shakir as Jet, Elena Satine as Julia, and Alex Hassel as Vicious. The series has confirmed that Ed will also appear, but showrunners are keeping the casting under wraps. Now, it'll be interesting to see how they do Ed. If you have not seen the anime Cowboy Bebop, you truly are missing out. It is a finest uh, work of art. It's, it's a uh, storied classic in anyone's anime library. And it stars uh, some space cowboys, some bounty hunters, as they travel throughout space completing jobs. Justice League director Zack Snyder addresses the Joss Whedon allegations and the future of the DCEU. Recently, the New York Times spoke to Snyder about his cut and asked if he feels the new direction of the DC Extended Universe, which feels very MCU-inspired, is Warner Brothers dismantling his legacy. 
they're 100% moving away, the filmmaker reiterated. They consider the theatrical cut of the Justice League as canon. That's their decision. I wish them all the best, and I hope the whole thing is a giant blockbuster on top of blockbuster on top of blockbuster. The stars of those movies are my friends. And I want them to be prosper prosperous, and I want people to love it. The site also asked if Snyder was made aware of those issues with Joss Whedon when his reshoots were taking place in 2017. At that point, Zack had walked away from the project following the death of his daughter and seemingly endless battles with Warner Brothers executives. Not at the time, Snyder admitted. The last thing they wanted to do was call me complaining about them having a hard time shooting. But in retrospect, I do feel bad that they had to go through that. I, I do. These guys are my friends, and they're amazing actors, and they're strong people, and I want them to be taken care of and in a healthy situation. I wasn't there, so your opinion on it is probably as good as mine. So a very non-committal response from Zack Snyder, but of course he wouldn't want to get embroiled in the drama that is the ongoing Joss Whedon accusations. A new trailer, Concrete Cowboy, shows Idris Elba saddling up in the Netflix father-son drama. I just watched this trailer. It's, uh, it's the real-life Fletcher Street Stables, a, a black horsemanship community in Philadelphia serving as an inspiration for both the novel and the film. And so this was a real event. This was a real set of people that uh, actually existed. And in the trailer, it was so neat to see uh, not not cowboys so much, but specifically horses in a very urban environment. And it's it's amazing. I had never heard of these folks. I mean, I guess high school history lessons don't truly do justice to the true and deep history of the world. I never knew about the Tulsa Massacre or Base Reeves or that a, a pope led an extermination of black cats, thinking them evil. And then their scarcity aided in the prolific breeding of rats that, of course, helped spread the bubonic plague. It's all domino effects. It's, what is it? Um, the butterfly effect. A butterfly's wings will have an effect on the other side of the globe or something along those lines. And that's it for movie news. However, I do want to highlight some of the movies uh, that are coming out this week to include uh, Justice League on HBO Max. That's Zack Snyder's release of Justice League. Phobias, which is getting a limited theater release this week. Exodus, which is on video on demand or digital. And then some shows that I'm interested in as well. Uh, Be the Beginning Succession. That's an uh, anime show on Netflix. And the first B, Be the Beginning, was simply amazing. I believe it was 12 episodes long. And the animation that was featured in it was among some of the greatest. Then also, uh, we're very excited this week because we are adding another show this weekend as Anthony dis discusses and dissects Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. And that is all we have for movie news. In gaming news, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is going to be a new retro-style video game, and it's coming, it's on the way, and apparently it has quite the pedigree as well. Now, when I was a youth, I played many many Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games, and they were all side-scrollers, all beat-em-ups. Well, not side-scrollers, but top-down, three-quarter view, whatever you want to call it. 
And it's funny, in listening to some other experts talk about gaming, they talk about the way that games were designed not to be a fun, fulfilling experience, but moreover to have a difficulty level that would allow you to die over and over and over again in order to continue feeding quarters to those machines in the arcades. Now, games have since moved away from that. You don't necessarily need to feed quarters into them anymore. However, that strong history still persists with mobile gaming and those microtransactions, mini purchases, DLC content, and the like. Big news, this week began Fortnite Season 6. It included a lot of things. It included crafting, animals, there's boars, wolves, chickens, and a couple new skins that listeners may be familiar with, whether they they play Fortnite or not. Lara Croft has been added to the game. Now, this is a nice addition, seeing as our recent additions to include God of War, uh, Kratos, and the Master Chief himself from Halo. Uh, Fortnite Season 6 Primal bring, brings back the pump shotgun, so if there are players out there interested in that. Uh, I am currently on level 9. So if you are playing Fortnite Season 6 Primal, watch out for the pug. Username is Walnut8 on the Xbox for Xbox Gamer Takes. If anyone's in it, interested in taking me on, you'll find yourself struggling greatly, for I am basically a Fortnite pro. Almost 200 Activision Blizzard employees are laid off as their esports strategy shifts. Uh, the reason for 50 of these layoffs, at least, was the shift in esports overall from in-person events to online events. Activision Blizzard Incorporated fired dozens of employees last Wednesday, for the most part cutting off employees who work with esports and broadcasting department. As the company moves away from live esports events, the U.S. workers will be paid out at least 90 of 90 days of severance and access to health benefits along with $200 in Battle.net gift cards. Now, this kind of rings like the GameStop controversy, where they had their staff participating in a online dance battle on TikTok, and one of the, the winners was extra store time and GameStop gift cards. According to well-known game journalist Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, over 50 of the employees who were fired worked in live events for the company, handling esports programs such as the Overwatch League. Schreier claims in the article that Activision Blizzard Incorporated fired just under 190 employees, which is less than 2% of the total amount of people who work for the publishing company. This mass firing is indicative of the company's plans to move away from hosting live and in-person events since the COVID-19 lockdowns have taken a serious toll on those live and in-person events. Many of the major gaming events held in 2020 were forced to go digital or be canceled altogether, with big gaming in-person events like E3 and the Game Awards switching to a digital-only format instead of the in-person event fans are used to. Players are increasingly choosing to connect with our games digitally, and the esports team, much like traditional sports, entertainment, and broadcasting industries, has had to adapt its business due to the impact 
the pandemic has had on live events, a spokesperson from Activision Blizzard Incorporated told Bloomberg. The Outer Worlds on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X now runs at 60 frames per second. And these kinds of increases that we're going to continue seeing on the Xbox and on the new PlayStation are only going to continue as the games are further modded to support these new platforms. Nintendo is reportedly set to release a new console before March 2022. Now, we've talked about this before on the podcast that Nintendo... The, the Nintendo Switch is not a new console. It's four or five years old. Now, that's basically a console generation. Nintendo was aiming for record game and console sales in the next fiscal year thanks to a lineup of new blockbuster games and a new Switch model. Now, from the article, uh, I don't know if I could agree with the blockbuster games as there has been really nothing of note as we all wait with bated breath for Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. That's according to a new report from Bloomberg, which claims that the company is planning to launch a new version of the Switch before the end of March 2022. This claim comes from sources at component suppliers, software publishers, and retailers, end quote, who state that Nintendo believes the introduction of this new console will help keep Switch console sales flat or slightly higher year over year. There's little detail on the new model outside of the claim that it'll feature an OLED screen, which should provide crisper image for players. This news is just the latest in a long line of Nintendo Switch Pro rumors, but like uh, we said before, the Nintendo Switch is now four years old. It wouldn't be a huge surprise to see a new version of the console launching within the next 12 months. Now, aside from an OLED screen, what the imaginations of the gaming public realize or recognize or want to imagine when they think of this new switch is also a screen that is a little bit wider that goes right to the edges of the device. Also a longer battery life would be greatly appreciated for the switch. In our final bit of news, uh, Octopath Traveler is coming to console Xbox consoles and game pass on March 25th. So look forward to that. If you did not get an opportunity to play this masterpiece, it is a very nostalgic RPG, but it also has some very unique and interesting gameplay mechanics, not to mention the quasi 3d quasi side scroller uh, aesthetic of the game is very, very appealing. And it has been voice acted, I believe in over 20 different languages. Uh, very well voice casted, very good acting from the actors, uh, something that you'd love to see. And if you have not gotten the opportunity to play it on a Nintendo console, this may be your chance to get a hold of this gem. Also coming on Game Pass, Undertale, which was a, a huge cult classic, uh, just released its successor, its sequel, Delta Rune. Outriders also is a Square Enix looter shooter coming to Game Pass as well. Now, this one strikes me as a Destiny clone or a Anthem clone as well. And that's all we have for gaming news. All right, and for the last segment of the show today, I want to include you on what I have been playing. I played a little bit of Call of Duty Warzone. Now, the game is free itself, but it is not free in, in terms of time. It is 94 gigabytes in size, so it's quite the download. And then, 
that's even if you can play it after that, because Activision's sign-up process is quite a mess. Now, I feel like I am of the personal opinion that if you are playing a game on a Sony product or a Microsoft product, you should be able to just sign in using your regular sign-in on the system. All of the stuff to the individual accounts to the Rockstars and the Activisions and the Ubisofts and the EAs of the world should be done automatically behind the scene without your knowledge. That would be ease of access. That would be end-user interface friendly, and that's what we want to see. Uh, Call of Duty Warzone, though, just like any other battle royale, you drop in, you find weapons. I'm not familiar with all the weapons or what they can do, what the power-ups can do. However, it was very enjoyable playing. It is very different from Apex Legends. You, you feel a lot slower. You feel like you are running through molasses in comparison to the former. Now, what I will say about this one, though, is the tactile response from the weapons as you fire them is a lot more visceral, a lot more realistic, and a lot more interesting than Apex Legends. Also, I've been playing, like I said, Fortnite Season 6. Uh, it was very interesting. I got a, got a chance to chat with Dustin, and he talked to me about him and his child. His son was very interested in the lore of Fortnite and very excited and anxious about what was going to happen next in this next season. And to that end, he came up with several fan theories of his own about what was going to happen, what was going to transpire in the new season. And it's very funny to me because Dustin also is, as we all could tell in the on today's episode, WandaVision episodes, uh, a rampant theorist himself. And so it was interesting to see that kind of father-son dynamic as he could see much of his son in himself. Uh, Red Matter and The Room of Dark Matter. Now, I've been playing these two games on Oculus Quest 2 VR. They are incredibly immersive. Uh, the Red Matter one, the puzzles are not overly difficult. However... You do have to put some effort into them if you are going to hope to solve them at all. Now, there's always a a red king, as he's called in the game, just standing off to the side. He appears when he decides to appear, and the ambiance, the atmosphere of the game is so much so that he will legitimately surprise you from coming out of the woodwork and scaring your bowels clean. Uh, also, what I've been watching, I watched uh, upon the recommendation of Dustin, Dustin's mother, and of Anthony, I watched Boss Level. Mm, I love these kinds of movies. Now, just like Dustin and one of the uh, movies of the year for Culture Jacked, actually, was Palm Springs. And it was a movie of similar fashion to this, where a person is caught in a time loop, they realize it, recognize it, and they take advantage of it for the most part after they can get through, you know, the the relative moral dilemmas that they face from reliving a life over and over or reliving a day over and over again. Frank Grillo, Mel Gibson, uh, it was just a good bit of cheeky fun and it didn't go anywhere too terribly unexpected but it had fun characters in it and and kind of a fun twist on this whole 
time bending spatial distortion kind of movie. Of course, I watched the Avengers Assembled WandaVision behind the scenes uh, show. It was an hour long and it just detailed what went into making a show like WandaVision. So that was very good. And then they have a new batch of episodes for the Avengers Legends series on Disney Plus that I watched as well. And so if you're not familiar with those before they're putting out these series on Disney Plus, WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they're putting out little tiny vignettes about the specific characters. And so in this case, we had a vignette about uh, Falcon, Sam Wilson, about Bucky Barnes, about Baron Zemo, and about Sharon Carter. So it, it just refreshes you and gets you up to date on those characters. So when you go into the show, you're not completely le left scratching your head. Of course, alternatively, you could go and watch every single one of these movies in their entirety. But that seems like maybe a little bit much. This is a, a much more concise, a much more encapsulated way to, you know, refresh yourself on these characters. And that's it for what I've been playing and what I've been watching. And that's it for the show. That's it for the Culture Jack News Desk. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure that you stay tuned for the Friday show on today's episode, The Weekend Wire, and Monday Madness. Make sure that you leave us a review on your streaming platform of choice. Just go click that review button. Leave it down below. It will help us greatly with the algorithms that we know not what our computer masterminds want or desire. You can also get in contact with the show uh, at CultureJacked, at Facebook, at Twitter. You can also email us at the email culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us here at the Culture Jack News Desk. I am Archimedes Abigail. That's the news, and we'll see you next week.